Church, we have a reading today from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 12 through 22. God's word says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he has brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This is God's word. Let us go in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Everything was created by you for you. And we want to honor and glorify you today. An opportunity that we have on this first day of the new year to celebrate you, who renews us and renews our minds daily because we believe in you. Father, we want to glorify you in all that we do, from the singing to the listening to the words that you have prepared in Chris to deliver to us to know you and more of you every day. Lord, we bow down to you and only you. We know that you're the truth. We know that when you came into this world, you brought us light and there is no darkness in you. May we abide in that. And may we be thankful for everything that you provided in this previous year. May we recount the glorifying holy things and not the darkness of things, Lord, because that's what we cling to. Our hope is in you and the grace that you've given us, the unlimited amount of grace that we will hold truth to you and to your words. We love you, Father, and may we continue to listen with an ear that loves you, and I love you so much. It is in your heavenly name we pray, amen. Well, Happy New Year. We're going to be in the book of James, chapter 1, together. Um, I don't know about you, but I love that last song, God of Revival, and if I were to think about what I would desire for 2023, it would be a, just to bring about revival, for God's word to mean even more to me than it does already, for his word to go out to our world. I just think revival is such a beautiful word, word describing what, what we really hope to happen in us. And uh, today we're finishing up a series called The Power of Story. Next week, we're starting the book of Hebrews. 
So next week, I need you to bring your brain, okay? In case you didn't bring it today, make sure you bring it, because next week we are going to dive in the deep end in the book of Hebrews and, and go through it. It's going to be a, a fun adventure to go through. We'll have a study book to help you um, get even more out of it, especially if I confuse you at all on Sunday morning. But today is in the book of James, and so you know it's going to be fiercely practical. Right? It's going to really just dive in to our heart. And as we've been going through the power of story, we've been talking about characters, right? And how Jesus is the main character in every story and about how we're really the supporting cast for the story of Jesus playing out in the world. And we talked about what it meant for Jesus to come in the perfect setting and the perfect timing uh, for him to show up in the world to, to maximize his effectiveness in the world. And then we talked about kind of the aftermath last week with the wise men. Right, and what that meant for the wise men to go out and to live based upon what had happened in Jesus' life. But every story, every good story has a villain. And sometimes those villains are kind of interesting, aren't they? And so we're going to talk today about what it means to have this concept of villain. And, and there's really throughout um, villainery, if that's even a word, um, there is these three different sort of motifs or types of villains that show up through story. And we're going to kind of use that as a model as we go through the book of James. But just to let you know, the, the idea behind the story today is this. You don't want to be the villain of your own story. And this is something that we need to hear getting ready to go into 2023. If we're not careful, we can become the self-sabotage of our own life. And so we've got to be ready we got to self-scout. we got to know ourselves a little bit so we can defend against the schemes of the enemy. So that's what we're going to talk about today. All right? So the first type of villain that shows up in movies is what's called the villain protagonist. Right? It's the protagonist. It's sort of the hero or the, the main person of the story. But here's a definition. But over time, he has every chance to embrace the truth but eventually begins to lose the balance between morality and villainy. All of a sudden, this person struggling, walking, the things in their life cause them to embrace the dark side, like Darth Vader. Right? Think about Darth Vader, right? Villain in the great movies of Star Wars, trilogy slash trilogy slash trilogy. Anyway, um, in that storyline, right, we have Anakin Skywalker. He's the hero. He's the Jedi. He's the one who's supposed to be the greatest of them all, and yet he gets consumed with anger and revenge and those things. Consume him. He's balancing on the edge of being good or being bad, going to the light or going to the dark side. And what happens? He embraces the dark side. I am your father. Right? He embraces all of that are we that far from that? Are we, as believers in Jesus Christ, that far from embracing our dark side? You see, we all have this sort of secret side of us that is always pulling and, and trying to grab us and pull us back into that old life that we used to live. But we can be broken free of that in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about, in this first section of James chapter 1, we're going to talk about two things that on their surface can be used for good or can be used for evil. So let's pick up in verse 2. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You've heard me quote this verse hundreds of times um, in different sermons over different times. We're supposed to consider it pure joy or all joy when we face trials. So here's the first thing. 
What does trials do to you? Are trials a faith-doubting villain in your life? Or are they a builder of truth in your life? When, when a trial comes upon you, when, when something hard comes into your life, does it reveal the trust that you have in God, the faith that you have in God, or does it begin to shake it? Right? Does it become this villain that destroys or something that builds? Because we see here that trials and suffering biblically are supposed to build something. Look what it says in the next few verses. Again, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So if you want to grow and become mature, you have to face trials and you have to endure them. Face them with joy, walk with endurance or steadfastness, and then you will become mature and complete. That's how you build trust. Right? It's through this process of enduring. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope is how Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 say it. So are we ready in 2023 to embrace trials with joy? Because that's a challenge, isn't it? That, that's something that we struggle with. Um, as I was thinking about villainry and I was thinking about villains, there's this book that keeps coming to my mind. I have a goal of kind of reading a book a week over this next new year. I know it's a resolution, so it's probably already not going to happen. But um, that's kind of a goal. But this book called The Screwtape Letters came up. Anybody read The Screwtape Letters before by C.S. Lewis, right? Incredible book, right? And so this book kept coming up because this book is sort of a, a scouting report from the other side on Christianity. So C.S. Lewis, if you're not familiar with the book, C.S. Lewis wrote these letters from Screwtape, who is a senior demon, and he's trying to train up his nephew Wormwood, who's like a lesser tempter, how to ruin the life of this person called the patient, right? So the senior demon's like giving advice on how to tempt and, and pull this person away from Jesus, right? So it's sort of this like from the other side look at faith. And here's one of the quotes from um, that book. It says this, Indeed, the safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. That the smooth, calm life is really the road towards damnation. Because if we're honest, isn't that kind of the life we pray for? Don't we kind of pray that we don't have to face trials or, or loss or hard things? Isn't that really the, the way that we pray, even though we know that the trials and the suffering are going to produce in us more Jesus? And so we have to be careful because we so often want to just have life like a sailboat with the wind at our back. And like, oh, and just that, that's how we want life to be. But is that how life is? I mean, if it is for you awesome. Just watch out for the reef. It's under the surface, right? Just be careful because, man, when you close your eyes and you take your hands off the wheel, you're at the wave of the sea and the wind will put you to and fro. Are we ready to embrace trials? Because listen, we have to understand something, right? Life is risky. Here's another quote that I think is really interesting from this book. It says, a chastity or an honesty or a mercy which yields to danger, 
will be chaste or honest or merciful only on conditions. Here's that idea. If you only love people under certain conditions, is that really love? And it says this, Pilate was merciful until it became risky. Do you remember the story of Pilate with Jesus? Like, I don't see any fault in this man. And he was ready to set him free until the crowd starts yelling, crucify him. And then he yielded because it was now of personal risk to him. And, and let's be honest, love is risky. I mean, think about it. Think back to the time where you had to ask someone on that first date, right? Or you had to ask someone to marry you. Remember, it's like you lobbing your heart out there, hoping they embrace it and don't spike it like a volleyball, right? Like, oh, I love you. Ew, right? Anybody been spiked before? I've been spiked a few times, right? Literally by a volleyball player, right? So you put it out there, right? Love is risky. Now, there's nothing better when that person embraces it. Thanks for embracing it, hon. Right? Embraces that love, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's a beautiful thing, right? But, man, it's risky. And, in fact, a life with Jesus Christ is risky. It's an adventure. Adventure and accountability are risky, Let's be honest, accountability is risky, isn't it? If I were to share with John everything that's deep and dark inside of me, whoo, is he still going to like me? Is he still going to trust me? Is he still going to want to be my friend if he really knows that thing about me? Accountability is risky. Friendship is risky. All of these things that have such great reward also have such risk. Are we ready in 2023 to put ourselves out there? Not to hide in the cocoon, hoping to drift down the river and not hit any rapids. Because that's not real life, hiding in a cocoon. Real life is whitewater rafting, where you could fall off and people have fallen off, right? It, it happens. Are we ready to walk that kind of Christianity? That's a powerful kind of Christianity. You see, if we just hide in the darkness, trying to navigate we're going to stumble, aren't we? That's how we, he describes sin as a, as a stumbling block before us. When the light, no problem. And the darkness is something different. We've got to step into the light. That's the challenge. If we want to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. All right, here's the second thing. Look at the next part of the book of James in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So here's the next thing. So trials is the first thing that can be used for good or evil. Here's the next thing, truth. How do you handle truth? Is truth a vacillating villain in your life or is it the foundation of your life? In other words, if we were to put it in a more plain language, right, is truth something that you change when it's convenient or is it something that changes you? Do you have your version of the truth? That's not truth at all. Because what if my version of truth says your version of truth is a lie? Who's right? See, there's one source of truth, and that's the word of God. And that's got to be the foundation of life. And you have to let this book change you, not try to proof text this book and make it say what you want it to say. This is one way we can grow in 2023. There's one way you can avoid becoming the villain of your own story because we can self-sabotage ourselves by reading Scripture out of context and trying to justify our sin. People have used the Bible to justify sin throughout human history. Instead, we read the Word and we let it change us in this new year. 
Because look what happens if you don't. All right, let's go back into verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person should not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now listen, I don't know whether you're a Christian or not, you don't go into 2023 going, my New Year's resolution is I want to be unstable in all of my ways. All right? No one. No, I hope I can be really double-minded this year. That's my New Year's resolution. No one. No one says that. Everybody wants to stand on a firm foundation. Everybody wants to have conviction and love. Everybody wants those things. So we have to pray for wisdom. Uh, turn forward a, a chapter or two in James. Look at James chapter 3. He gives us this beautiful definition of wisdom in, in verse 17. But wisdom from above is first pure. See, wisdom is pure, meaning it takes away our motives and it's about something beyond us. Um, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Woo, that, wouldn't that be a good world to live in? A world where conversations bring peace, conversations, everybody's open to reason, right? Everybody is sincere and peace. That would be an awesome place to live. This is what wisdom is. And God said, it's available, pray for it. Ask me for wisdom and I will give it to you without reproach. So are we ready to handle these two different things, trials with all joy, truth, letting it change us? If we can, we can avoid becoming the villain of our own story. Now, there's another villain type that's in story, and it's called the looming threat. Right? This is the second type of villain that you see throughout story, and it's, and it's a villain that feels like it's kind of hidden sort of off the screen, you, you don't see it very often, but it's just always there, and you're waiting for the big reveal, waiting for the one time that it just pounces onto the screen. And this kind of describes our enemy, the devil, who's crouching like a lion, waiting, waiting for the opportunity to pounce on us. It's this, this enemy that's sort of in the background, and we see the effect of the devil, we see the effect of the enemy, but we don't know, he's not a frontal assault kind of guy. He's the shoot you in the back kind of guy. He's the father of lies. He's the one that's in the background, just always waiting for that opportunity, this looming threat that's back there, right? How do we defeat that? How do we keep ourselves from falling into that? Well, we have to recognize that there is a threat, that there really is an enemy that wants to destroy us. There is an enemy that doesn't want you to live in fullness of joy. He wants to rob you of that. If we understand it, you're not going to get blindsided. You're not going to get hit without anyone knowing because you're going to have your head on a swivel being ready to hold that shield of faith up to protect yourself from the schemes. Now, what does that mean for us? What does that, how does that play out in our treasures? Here's the question I have for you. What do you treasure most? I want you to think about that. In your life, what do you treasure the most? Is that something that becomes for you an idol? Or is it something that is used in order to bless? 
that treasure that you have? Is it something that the world wants to pull in? It's temporary? It's something that moth and rust destroy that you don't get to take with you into eternal life? Or is it something that is the crown of life, that is eternal, something that you get to bring with you when you get to see Jesus in all of his glory someday? This is sort of the challenge that we see in these next verses. Look what it says here in verse 9. Let the lowly brother boast of his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. That if we put our hopes on things of this world, on twaddle, on the little things that are all around us, all of that's going to be destroyed. Or do we put our hope in something that's more? And then it says this. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Whew, that's exciting. A crown of life that is out there for us, right? The enemy, you realize, has no power over you. He only has the power that you give him in your life. What has power in your life? The Holy Spirit inside of you or the things that you give power to? Are we going to choose to listen to the Holy Spirit or to listen to the voices outside? There's an interesting quote in the screw tape letters, right, that um, I, I want to read for you. And it's this idea um, that is this. It says, it doesn't matter. Um, or it says, it's funny how mortals always picture us, talking about the demons, right? It's funny how the mortals always picture us as putting something into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. You realize that the enemy isn't always planting ideas. He's trying to guard you from understanding the truth of God's word. Let me give you an example. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you, do you know it and feel how much God loves you? That he laid down as no greater love as anyone than this, to lay down their life for their friend, right? Do you realize how much God loves you? Because if you really did understand how much God loved you, you wouldn't chase after love from harmful things. You wouldn't desire those things greater than you desire the Lord. If we truly understood God's love for us, if we truly believed that God was our provider, we could let go of our materialism. If we truly believe that God was the hope of the world and there was nothing better than being his presence, we wouldn't struggle with having a quiet time because we know how good and precious and beautiful he is. What the enemy wants to do is keep us from understanding the beauty and the glory of the Lord. But let's not give in. Now, there's one more type of villain we have to talk about. And this is the most uh, common type of villain. It's called a mirror villain, right? It's a villain who is the um, mirror image of the heroes. Think of like the Batman and the Joker, right? Both of them are kind of outcasts. Both of them are freaks, as they call it, right? Both of them have passions, one to destroy and see the world burn, one to save. They have similarities, and yet they bring out, they challenge one another's beliefs and things. The Joker wants to make Batman violate his one rule, right? And this is the idea of a mirror villain. So in our story, who is our mirror villain? It's our, it's our sinful nature. In fact, look what it says next in verse 13. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. 
For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Ooh, that's, a, that's an ugly word, lured, isn't it? Like, for example, I was going, you guys need to go out and, and lure people into our church. That just doesn't feel good, does it? It doesn't feel right. This, this word lure feels negative. In fact, this word entice, if you look it up in the Greek, is the word bait. Like, there is bait hanging out there. What are we lured by? Our own desires. Right, now, I, I can't pretend to know much about fishing, all right? But I know that this is a lure, okay? So if you saw this and you were a fish, you might be like, mmm, yum, minnow, right? You might be excited about seeing this. I'm not excited because I don't eat minnows, okay? And I can see that on the bottom of that lure is a hook. And that hook also has a barb on it, right? And when it gets in there, it doesn't come out easily, right? Now listen, you may not like this lure. That's okay. There's a lot of lures. There's a lot of different types. Anybody remember the purple worms? Right? When I was a kid, my dad made me put the purple worm on the hook, right? And I would cast it like five times, and I would grab a rock and start skipping it and throwing it at the trees because I, I was just uh, active. I, fishing was way too much patience for me, right? But the idea is like this is meant to lure you in. Maybe your lure is a cheeseburger with a little hook on there, right? Maybe it's a tub of ice cream. You, instead of finding comfort in the Lord, you find comfort in Bluebell, Texas Two-Step. Mmm, Right? Bottom of that bowl, there's a hook. You found joy in this thing instead of joy in the Lord. Maybe it's money dangling out there, right? Oh, yeah, because when you get money, you spend money. And all of a sudden, you put yourself in debt to now you're a slave to that money and slave to those bills anymore, right? Maybe it's pornography. It's just hanging out there. It's not going to hurt anyone. It's, no one's going to know, but yet it puts this hook in you. And before you know it, it changes the way you think about sexuality. It changes the way you think about the opposite sex. It hooks you. Maybe it's gossip. Ooh, did you hear about? Wait, wait, wait. Think about all these kids going back to school and all the things that have happened over Christmas break. Did you hear about? Right? It dangling out there. But did you know that you're, if you get caught up in that gossip, you're probably going to be one of the topics of the next gossip? Hooks you. Right? It gets you in. You get into the story, and then it's hard to get out of it. Lying. Oh, no one will ever know. But then it begins to spiral out of control. Right? We get lured in. We get enticed. And it says it's, we're lured in enticed by our own desire. And when desire, then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. By the way, from conception to birth, it takes time, doesn't it? So that hook gets in. And you fight at the beginning. Now, again, I don't know much about fishing, but I know I caught a fish bigger than Chad. That's all I do know. It was this big. No. Um, but I remember we hooked a shark. We were on a boat with Chris, right? And I remember for 20 minutes, like, trying to reel that thing. I'd reel it, reel it. It would run away from me, right? <sighs> then we'd kind of sit there, crank it in. It'd run away, right? That was just a constant process. Which I guess that's what fishing is. I don't know. Um, but... All I know is this, there's times that that shark thought he wasn't hooked. He's swimming around, feeling free until we went, until we pulled him back and reeled him back for a little bit, right? And there's going to be times with your sin, nobody knows. Nobody even got, nobody knew I lied about that. 
No one's told this rumor about me in like a while. But it's still there. It still got you hooked. And it's just a matter of time until he pulls. Or sometimes, this happened a lot on the trip, the shrimp would be gone. We had a shrimp on the hook. We threw it out there. Comes back, empty hook. Means you're not a good fisherman, one thing he knows. Second thing is, that means that fish got away with it. They took the bait. Nothing bad happened. But there's going to be a point. They keep going after the bait when it gets hooked. And, oh, they get away with it for a while. They're going to take it good because they don't think anything's really wrong with it, right? And this is the nature of sin. Our desires begin to develop and mature, and they give birth to sin. And then sin, when it grows and matures, it brings about death. Death of relationship, death of emotions, which is really what depression is. You just get numb to everything. Right? Death of all these different things, of your job, of your intimacy with your spouse, all these things get killed because you've let sin grow and mature. And all of a sudden you have a real problem to deal with. There's one way to avoid it. Don't give in. Don't take the bait. Don't taste. It's dangling out there. The enemy's going to try to dangle it out there. We don't take the bait. So then the desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. How many people believe that? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Because if you do, it births thanksgiving, it births joy. When you think you deserve something, it becomes a wage. Instead of going, every good and perfect gift, my health, my family, my job, all these things, that's from the Lord. Praise him for those things. That's a way to being set free from becoming the villain of your own story. You see God as being the ultimate goal and become more like Christ. Of his own he will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Okay, So here we go. We're going to give you ten ways in this new year to be set free. Right? To not get caught up in these things and not to become the villain of your own story. I'm going to give you ten things. Right? Remember James, super practical to our life. So here we go. Here, let's start in verse 19. This is a verse you should memorize. Verse 19, James 1, 19. Know this, my beloved, you should be, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Okay? I just didn't even try to read it. I had to go back. To, I memorized it instead of be quick to hear. Be quick to listen. What if we were all quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry? Would that make our world better? Would that make our homes better? Think about that. Ooh, what about this one? What if you were to be um, quick to listen, slow to type, slow to hit return? Some of y'all out there, okay? Because isn't it so much easier to slam someone when they're not face-to-face with you? They're just a name on a screen, and you post an ugly comment, you post an email, or you send a text instead of having to look someone face-to-face and like, hi, Judy, right? Judy's so sweet. Why could I say something bad about her? But online, it's so easy. Feels like a victimless crime, but it's not. What if we were to be quick to listen to our spouse? Slow to speak, thinking before we answer, and slow to become angry. Whew, that is some good advice. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, 
and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So there's two things in this verse. One is we need to put to death some things. We need to clear the garden of these weeds that want to grow in there. And then we need to plant some things that are good, that are going to grow in this new year. We need to get away from filthiness. I'm not talking about your house, okay? I'm talking about your mind, right? The things that are around us, our world that is so over-sexualized, that wants to pull us into this gross stuff. No, right? This, the rampant wickedness, the cultural wickedness that wants to pull us in. No, we're built on the truth. What's God's word say? So we get rid of those things. We clear out the garden, but it's not any good if we don't plant something better in it. Can't just get rid of that stuff and think, phew, I'm done. We got to replant with the word, right? So with meekness, receive the implanted word. With humility, not thinking of ourselves too highly, but thinking of ourselves with humility, we accept the word of God. Let it change us. All right, then it says this, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Woo, getting real right here. When you hear the truth, do you do it? Are you acting on what you read about in here? Yeah. Woo, even when it's risky. I mean, the word says, forgive others just as Christ has forgiven you. How many of us hold on to that grudge? How many have a hard time letting go? I know Brad's challenged me on this one before. He challenged a group of us. Guys, you need to let go of these things. And I think I'm the only one who responded to that, saying, yes, let's let go of this. Because, man, those grudges can be so deep, can't they? But is that how we want Christ to forgive us? Or do we want him to forgive us as far as the east is from the west? We, as followers of Christ, becoming more and more like him, we forgive the same way. Be doers of the word not hearers only. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Here's what happens. When we don't look into the law of the Lord... We forget what we are look like. And here's what it means. We forget what we're made for. You realize you're made for a purpose. And that God didn't just make you for a purpose. He actually enabled you through his gifts and through the Holy Spirit to accomplish those things in your life. You have a story. You have a purpose. But we forget when we don't look into the word of God, we forget our purpose in him. And we strive for a purpose in our own abilities, in our own strength, in our own power instead of truly relying on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Then it says this in verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Woo, getting real again. Guard your tongue. This is hard. Anybody got an amen on that one? This is hard. It's hard. That's why we got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Man, it's, I, I don't know about you, I am really quick-witted. I can hurt people really bad, really quickly. And it just sometimes comes out of there, right? Got to have those filters ready, right? Or I got to have a pure heart. Then those things don't come up, right? So either I got to have good filters or I got to change from the inside out to be more like Christ. And here's the last verse. 
Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. There's two things that would say this is the purpose of religion, to take care of the broken, right? The orphans and the widows. We have the widow's ministry that is amazing. I, I just love what Paul and, and Mickey and all of them are doing in that ministry. Also, if I had to sum it up, I would say this, love fiercely. Do you love fiercely? Meaning like you got to hold on to it. It's one of the things that I learned early in ministry, and it was, it was Mickey Autry who taught me that. She said, you need to love me even when I don't want to be loved. I'm allowed to do that? Like, yes, as a believer, we're supposed to press in to those other believers, encourage them, love on them, spur them on, encourage them, build them up. We're supposed to do those things even if they don't want it. We're supposed to challenge and encourage others in that way. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. Here's what it means. Don't be a hypocrite. Guard your tongue and be a doer of what you're saying you're going to do. If we are doers of the word and we guard our tongue to where only speaking the words, we won't be a hypocrite because we're doing what we say we're going to do, right? And that, that's one of the things I think is, is passion. By the way, that's only nine. Let me give you one more, okay? I want to encourage you to press into discipleship this year. And there's a last quote that I want to give you out of the screw tape letters. And this is the, the demonic response to church in some ways. And here's what he says in the book. Um, he says, if you can once get him to the point of thinking that religion is all very good up to a point, you can feel quite happy about his soul. A moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all and much more amusing. In other words, here's what it's saying. If you're only willing to follow Christ to a certain point, are you really following Christ? If you're really waiting, like, ah, I wanted to forgive them, but not if they do this. Oh, I'm, I'm willing to not gossip, but man, if it's a really good one, and you put that limit on how far you will follow Christ, you're limiting the work of God in your life. I know, discipleship can be hard. It's risky. Open up your life to somebody else. Tell them about your struggles. Walking through the Bible and letting the Bible read you because it's living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. When you begin to get in that process, it could feel risky, but it's worth it because the only way to get to depth is to dig, right? And so if you want to have a deep relationship with Christ, you got to be willing to put yourself out there in 2023. That's the challenge. Live the adventure of a walk with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, the book of James and just how practical um, and how um, revealing it is to our own heart and our own ways. Lord, I thank you that um, we have it to spur us on. Lord, I pray that you'll help us all to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Lord, getting rid of filthiness and, and worldly wickedness that is all around us. And Lord, to embrace your word this new year. Lord, help us to love you um, fiercely in this new year and love one another as well. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. I can remember that. Quick to listen, slow to type, and slow to hit return, right? <laughs> That's a good one. Hey, everyone, it's uh, so good to see you. want to encourage you, if you are ever um, wanting to accomplish a big task, you got to have a plan in, in, in place, right? Well, we have a plan. If you want to read through the entire Bible, if you've never done that, it's such a joyful process of being able to see the big picture as a whole. We have plans for you in the back, in the foyer, in the table in the back. Uh, there's, there's several sheets of paper there.
just grab one, a Bible reading plan. Uh, we want to make those available to you. Um, also, Refuge is starting back up January the 11th. So we're looking forward to that. I know a lot of our high schoolers and junior hires are anxious to get back with each other. And January 15th, or the week of January 15th, kicks off our path groups again. So mark those in your calendars. And I want to finish with this verse, Proverbs 2, 6. It says, from the, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. God be with you. Have a wonderful week.